Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. At the top of this episode, I need to I need to mention this first. And for those that are paying attention to what's going on in the world, and they're tied into Gab, and they're tied into Telegram, and they're consistently just vigilant human beings and paying attention, first of all, God bless each and every one of you. Second of all, it's beyond overwhelming what's going on right now. It's just overwhelming. And when I'm putting some things together for each episode of this podcast, it's becoming more and more evident to me that, of course, there's less and less good news per se, but there is still good news out there. And um, it's getting harder and harder to find that, but it does still exist. So let me give you a a couple of examples. Certainly one example, anyway, that's been brought up on a consistent basis from a number of different outlets, and it's 100% true, is that you have, and this is one of those things, again, that is not being covered in the mainstream media at all. They just aren't covering this one at all. And it has to do with the number of teachers that are leaving the profession. Countless American teachers and teachers in countless countries are quitting the education business. And not that long ago, I actually was in an interview for a position in teacher education. And the question of what kinds of things do I research was was asked of me, which is a typical question in any interview. And I answered it basically by saying that. I said the teacher turnover rate is astounding in American K-12 education. It's astounding. You have individuals studying to be school teachers, not being taught about the entire business, all of the ins and outs, the pitfalls, the shortcomings, the success. I mean, there's just so much that's not being discussed and covered, and I'm certain of it, because as we know, many of these teacher education institutions are unfortunately, and it's not all of them, but it is a great deal of them, have gone so far to the left that they aren't covering anything that's objective whatsoever. You have countless individuals who are studying to be school teachers and spending more time studying to be a school teacher to attain a degree and then pass tests and then get certification to be a school teacher than they are actually being one. So they may be in a teacher education program for four or five years, and then they enter the public school system and they say to themselves, this cesspool is rotten to the core. And again, they'll say things like, I was never taught this. No one told me about this. Why was this never brought to my attention when I was studying to be a school teacher? Again, the the information that's out there about what's going on in K-12 education and higher education right now is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. So the positive is this. You have countless teachers that are leaving the K-12 business, and they're communicating with parents in their communities. And they're saying, you know, their towns and cities or even their streets. And they're saying, look, I'll homeschool your children. I'll do it. Uh, pay me what what my normal salary was. Again, that's a that's a bunch of money. But they'll say pay me, and then they'll homeschool these children. 
It could be it could be one part one adult homeschooling five, six, seven minors. And again, while I support that, I would take it even a step further. I, I think that the teachers that are leaving the business and still want to teach, they've got to pool their resources and they've got to do whatever they can to find a location. Again, this all takes money. All this takes a, a boatload of money. And then they've got to sell their new school as a freedom and independence kind of school that teaches the truth, grammar, writing, spelling, English, fluency, etc., etc. That that can happen. It's not as easy as somebody just tweeting about it or somebody just putting a message out on Gab saying, hey, do this, there, I made a difference because I told people what to do. It's a little more complicated than that, but it's a necessary move that has got to be made because, again, the stories that are just out here are awful. For example, this comes from The Blaze, and it's titled, Professors Say Proper Grammar is Racist and Perpetuates Whiteness. Now, see, I'm not going to read this article because it's from a university no one's ever heard of, and they've completely lost the plot. But it proves, too, what I said in the earlier episode, is that you have infiltrators out there saying, Carlin Borshenko, that critical race theory is not about hating white people. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And unfortunately, even Chris Ruffo tweets out, hey, everybody, if your school is doing the following things, then that's critical race theory. He didn't say anything about hating white people. But that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. He doesn't say anything about the pride stuff, the pride month stuff, the rainbow flags everywhere, the degeneracy. He doesn't say anything about that. He doesn't think that's a part of critical race theory. Look, it's all a part of the same bubble. I've said it before. Critical race theory is just the berry on the tree of totalitarianism. That's the problem. They're asking everybody, the, 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 the Ruffos, Borshenkos, and, and others, and even all of these media outlets, and it's all of them. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. It's all of them. They're all saying, look at this. Look at this one little berry. Meanwhile, the forest fire is raging down on top of everybody, but everybody's distracted by this little berry that they call critical race theory. It's driving me crazy. It's actually driving me nuts because so many people are distracted by that. Oh, look, Tucker Carlson brought it up. Or, oh, look, this person brought up. Oh, more critical race theory. How much more of it has to be brought up before you start to recognize to yourselves, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is being brought up. This one thing is being brought up in a thousand different ways, but consistently day in and day out by endless news organizations. I mean, what else is going to is it going to take for people to understand that maybe the problem is bigger than that? Maybe it's about the total destruction of our country. Maybe this has always been the plan, Frankfurt School. Maybe that's just the way that it is. And maybe we need to let the critical race theory nonsense go, leave those institutions the second that it rears its ugly head, because it's always worse 
than just critical race theory. Again, it's a it's a it's a pimple. It's just it's just one teeny problem in a landscape that is that is just completely degenerate. There's really no way about it. Here's another story. I don't even like reading these stories anymore because they're just it's just uh <laughs> oh my god. They're so repetitive. They're just so repetitive. But here here you go. This comes from the Federalist. Supreme Court gives Democrats free reign to transgender public schools. So the so it says the Supreme Court has all but guaranteed the US legal system will adapt sorry, I can't read. Adopt an extremist view of transgender law. So basically the Supreme Court threw out a case that was going against this different bathroom stuff. Um, or no, I'm sorry, going after the same bathroom stuff. And they basically said, Hey, look, we don't want to, you know, it's discrimination. We don't want to discriminate against people. It's up to local decisions and whatever else. That just means everything now gets kicked out of the courts. And of course they're all corrupt as hell anyway, but it now gets kicked down to the very local levels. We're back to the bathroom thing again. I mean, we're back to that. And I think I said that like, Oh, I don't know, four or five months ago. And now it's just been taken to the Supreme Court, and now it's just been kicked out. Uh, there you have it. I, it's just, it's awful. You're discriminating against us because, uh, you know, I identify as a lobster um, who has male genitalia, but I'm really a female. So I need to go into the bathroom of a male because that's where I feel the most comfortable. It's it's rife with crime. It's already happened. It's already happening. The people that are doing this are perverted. They're pedophiles. The people that are allowing this stuff. And I know the Supreme Court consistent um, point of view on this, and that's that the Supreme Court doesn't make law, that the Supreme Court simply enforces existing law or interprets existing law to then make a decision on whatever people bring to the court. I mean, I get that point of view, but my God, if courts in the past have ruled because things are immoral and they seem whatever, this right here should tell everybody that it really is the legislators at the local level that are having the biggest problems. They are the most corrupt. They are bought, they are sold, they are blackmailed. They're all of those things. And that's what's happening here. It's just, it's just happening at such a rate that is, that is just overwhelming. So I just would always encourage more and more people to take back control and some personal responsibility and to not consistently feed minors and children to these degenerate environments that are doing this. And again, I know it's not every school. I know that that's the case. But when you read all of these things, it certainly feels like it at, at, a, at a number of, I don't know, it certainly feels like it. So, you know, for, for example, so, uh, w one of the larger examples of deception that consistently happens with these parents that are fighting back for um, 
you know, at school boards and, and over Zoom meetings and whatever else, because the, the endless videos are out there, too, of all of that happening, which I've mentioned in the past. But they'll bring up the mask wearing that's been going on among minors in K-12 schools as being an example. You know, the masks uh, are unnecessary and kids don't transmit. Well, wait a minute. It's not just that kids don't transmit this coronavirus, apparently, which is, which is fine and great. It's that it says on the box of the masks that it doesn't do anything. See, I'm not hearing that out of parents' mouths when it comes to addressing these school board members. They're just yelling and yelling and yelling, but they're not looking at them and skin calling them illiterate. They're illiterate. They can't even read the directions on the side of a box. Now, I've been over this too in the past, and this is, you know, again, this is coming down the line. The WHO has also just said, hey, um, masks again. Everybody's going to have to mask up. Even if you've had your, your death jabs, you're going to have to continue to mask up. What do you think American K-12 schools are going to do here in the, in the coming future? If states haven't mandated or legally passed now a law that says no more masks, no more distancing, no more bullshit, if they haven't done that, then they're going to go right back to what they were doing a year ago. It's the same environments. Now... As again, there are endless videos of nurses talking about this and, and doctors bringing this up. It's, it's overwhelming. Now, children who go back to K-12 schools in the fall are going to be around teachers and their peers, in particular if they're 12 to whatever, 12 to 18 years old. They're going to be around their peers and adults who work in that building who have received these jabs. The unjabbed are going to get sick, big time. It's already happening. Early menstrual cycles among my among little girls in the in elementary school, um, brain fog, nosebleeds. The, the 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 list is endless. Not to mention again the students in the past who have had pre- serious pre-existing conditions and having those conditions then rebubble up to the surface and make those students ill. There are too many people that don't know what's going on. And it seems like Ron Johnson, a um a, a senator, is he, I mean he had a he had a he had a covid meeting with parents and uh and individuals and and even s- some formerly jabbed students who are now handicapped. He had a little round table the other day that lasted over an hour. You know, you, 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 you hear these people tell their stories and these parents and, you know, these, uh, these adults about jabbing themselves and jabbing their kids and now they're all handicapped and, and they don't know what's going on. I mean, you can, you can hear, you can hear it. You can hear the brainwashing coming out of their own mouths. To sit there, and most of these parents did, which is an abomination, but most of these parents sat there handicapped themselves or handicapped their kid as a result of the jabs or their you know their kid is sitting there handicapped one of them had a had a feeding tube for god's sakes running through her nose as she's sitting in a wheelchair as the mom is sobbing and the mom was in the medical business which that right there should should you know pretty much prove it medical business it's a business 
It's not, uh, it's not a preventative organization. It's a business. It's sick care. And they even say it over and over again. I'm not anti-vax. They use that derogatory term and that derogatory name. I'm not. I'm still not anti-vax. I'm sitting right next to my brain-dead, handicapped kid who has a who has a feeding tube in their face. But I'm still not anti-vax. I'm fine. They're not. What's going on here? But I'm not. But I'm still not anti-vax. They're not going to get it. Even sitting next to their own permanently handicapped child, they still don't get it. They still don't understand. That's the level of brainwashing. That's the level of unknowing. It's deep. It's thick. And I've always advocated, again, for the safety of everybody. But now we're down to the children. The adults are gone. They're gone. Now it's down to saving these children's lives. Because it's only a matter of time before they continuously ram this jab into as many children as possible. This, uh, the country, you know, all, uh, the continent, Australia is doing it. Australia is doing whatever they can to get as many jabs in all children as humanly possible. And just over 4% of the entire population has been jabbed. The people in Australia are wide awake. They're wide awake. So what has their government done to them? They're on lockdown now for two straight weeks. They've put all their citizens on lockdown, except for essential travel, like groceries or going to work or whatever. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's tyranny. It's totalitarianism. It's globalism. It's exactly what these people have had planned, as I've said, for over a hundred years, and and they're carrying it out right now. And people are just going, I don't know what go, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's just overwhelming. I know I sound like a lunatic some of the time, but this is it's just overwhelming. Uh, there's just so much audio to play. There's so much audio to play. I'm going to play this clip from the Ron Johnson thing of the parent describing what happened to their daughter after after their daughter got the jab. And again, their daughter is sitting right next to the mom. It's just, you just want to slap these parents. You want to slap them. You really do. It's it. Uh, you don't put needles in people's bodies if they're healthy. And listen to what she says. We just wanted to get back to normal. We just wanted to get back to normal. You were fine before. Then you jabbed your body and your daughter's body with an unknown agent, and now you're not fine and you can't make the connection? Now, I would play the audio, except, believe it or not, the entire video is on YouTube and it's just awful. I mean, the audio of her of the entire video is awful. So I'm not going to play it. But I want people to consider this too. I mean, what's going to happen with that minor down the line when mom and dad are dead? I mean, mom's no spring chicken. Which means, what's going to happen to her? She can't feed herself. She can't drive. She can't move. She's wheelchair bound. 
What next? She becomes an entity of the state. Well, look what the state has done to people. Look what it's doing to them. I mean, people aren't even thinking that far down the line, and therein lies part of the problem. They're just not thinking. They're not thinking. Again, it boils down to this culture, and I've said it before, but it's it's consistently training minors to believe that you that you should plunge needles in your body when the television tells you to. Are you healthy today? Great. That's fine, but we need to plunge needles into your body to make sure that you're healthy tomorrow. No. No. That's a horrible horrible indoctrination plan. It's clearly worked. There's clearly countless people that believe that that is true, just like the people who get the flu shot and then they get sick and have the flu and they go, oh, that means the shot's working. All this pain means that it's working and my immune system is getting stronger. No, it means you've been poisoned. It means that you've just poisoned yourself. That's what that means. That's what that means. But not every minor, ladies and gentlemen, and not every parent has lost the plot. In fact, here's a fun little clip, and I'm going to describe this before I play this audio because this audio is pretty pretty clear. It's a guy standing in front of a classroom, and they're all minors, and they're all roughly exactly the same age. And he asked them what vaccines are, and listen to their answers. Because right here, these are products of vigilant parents, because vigilant parents create wise children, without a doubt. That's the way that it goes. And there's at least, I'd say, maybe 18 students in this room, give or take. So give this audio a listen. This is really good. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you the same question with with vaccines. What's in a vaccine? Go ahead. Different chemicals? Um, chemicals that could really hurt you. Chemicals that can really hurt you? That have. That have? Really hurt you, okay. It can poison your brain. Chemicals that can poison your brain? And make it so you're not smart. Such as mercury. Did you say metals like mercury? Well, you guys are way smart. Sorbet. Polysorbate 80? Polysorbate, oh my goodness. We have some very smart kids here. So polysorbate 80, I wasn't even going to talk about that tonight, but what does polysorbate 80 do? It opens the brain barrier. The blood-brain barrier. So it makes it so chemicals can go into the brain and hurt the brain. Is that right? It can poison your body. Poison your body? When it opens it, it can damage your brain. Okay, when your blood-brain yes, barrier gets not, open, it can damage your brain. It will be um, really bad at learning and stuff like It can that. cause learning problems. And it can cause body problems. Body problems, physical Walking problems, problems, walking and problems. I already have my own problem. Okay, we're gonna we're um, lazy if, eye. Okay, we're gonna t- we're, I'm, let's save that for a little later, and I will ask you. Okay. Sometimes it can even make you mentally retarded. Sometimes it can even make you mentally retarded. Okay, you guys are amazing. We got to keep moving here, but you guys are amazing. I I had no idea that you guys were going to be able to go boom 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 and give all of those answers. Every one of those am- answers were absolutely true. Vaccines can do that. Maybe we're not totally lost. Maybe we aren't totally lost. Again, that right there, those, are, th- those children are products of knowledgeable parents. 
polysorbate 80. What kid comes into a classroom like that and says that? A knowledgeable kid. Whatever, they probably just fed them a script and they were just, it was all scripted and they're all actors and whatever. Who cares if they're actors? They're human beings. I mean, let's run through that scenario. Let's say this is all fake. Let's say the entire thing was filled with child actors and they were just plants. And they're all just scattered around that classroom. And uh, the most, you know, the best actors who have memorized their lines are pumping out the facts like nobody's business. So what? So what? That means that that kid knows the truth. That means that the kids listening to that kid talk know what's going on. Which means somebody's learning. So again, on one end of the spectrum, you have that, which is fantastic. And of course, the mainstream media is never going to let those kids have their voice. And again, who covered Ron Johnson's uh, roundtable with the injured adults and the injured, uh, you know, the injured minors? Not to mention, it should be brought up that that parent, who I again, I can't play the audio because the audio is terrible, but the parent who who served up their kid for these jabs. They were all excited, quote-unquote, to, to get the jabs. They were all excited to make a difference and participate in the, in the youth trial. They served their kid up for a science experiment. Think of that. Now, in that classroom setting, do you think those parents are going to serve up their kids to be a part of a science experiment? No. No, they won't. They won't. The propaganda is super thick. It's just super thick. It's so thick, in fact. Take, give a listen to this audio. This is a cartoon that comes from New York, and what they're doing there is, is for about $17 and change, they're selling now bracelets that indicate that the individual has been fully vaxxed. It has a QR code on it, where apparently, again, to probably get it, you got to punch in your own, uh, I got vaccinated information, I got the jabs, look at me, I'm special, I did a thing. And uh, just listen to this, because again, it, uh, the, the propaganda cannot get any more blatant. It can't get any more severe. If you got the vaccine, you're probably thinking, now what? How can I show the world that I am vaccinated? How can I begin to reclaim some normalcy in my life? Well, now you can wear the Immuniband adjustable bracelet. It's the only secure way to take your vaccine card with you wherever you go and share it with whoever you'd like. Each bracelet has a unique QR code that is pin protected, and its distinctive design lets the world know that you've been vaccinated. So let's band together to beat this pandemic. One step, one vaccination, and one Immuniband bracelet at a time. Get yours today at Immuniband.com. I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, I don't even know where to start. It provides no immunity to anything. None. Zero. Less than zero. It provides no immunity to anything. I just, I can't believe people are falling for this. I can't believe they're falling for it. They're still falling for it. You know, you've seen these people too. These uh, countless videos of people out on the streets, and they're and they're asking them. Um, I think Ami Horowitz is one of them, but he's bouncing around New York, and he's going. So why are you still wearing a mask? Have you had your shots? Why are you still wearing a mask? Well, I'm just trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help people out. You know, I don't, 
I don't want to, but I thought that the vaccines worked. And they're going, well, you know, I just want to make people feel safe and I just want to whatever. See, here's the thing. At the beginning of that audio video right there with immunaband.com is they use the word signaling. Do you want to signal to people that you're safe and that you're whatever? First of all, it's nobody's business. Second of all, I haven't spent a lot of time on the business of signaling or virtue signaling, as it's now called, but there's actually a great deal of psychology written about the business of uh, signaling, in particular among mammals and even birds and fish, as you would expect, and a number of other things. And it actually has to do originally with the business of reproduction. And individuals giving off signals, quote unquote, that they are interested in someone else. And those behavioral patterns, of course, have, have been studied at great length among human beings. Um, you know, just to bring up a few examples, uh, you know, solid eye contact and smiling among individuals usually indicates that the, that the two individuals get along with one another. If a female plays with their hair, um, you know, while, while talking with, with someone that they're attracted to, that's usually, you know, it's like preening, much like a bird would do to clean their feathers so that they're more um, either approachable or visually attractive to, to a would-be mate. This, this is not unusual. Birds change their color. Fish change their color. This is all done for the purpose of signaling, which again is usually usually has to do with reproduction. The business of virtue signaling, however, is stupidity because it's rooted in braggadocious behavior. Not, it's not re- really rooted in, in honest signaling of any kind. It's, it's not like biological signaling. It's rooted in braggadocious behavior. It's rooted in, look at me, I did a thing. It's rooted in, I have a trophy even though I got second place or third place or fourth place or it's a participation trophy. It's signaling that's rooted in a lie, which means if an individual is virtue signaling and they're walking around with their chest out going, look, we're, we do this and we do this and we do this, that's, um, that's just stupidity at that point. Because it's gotten, because it, I mean, clearly the definition of stupidity is when an individual sees the truth, hears the truth, and still believes the lie. When that's the case, that person is just stupid and they can't be helped. Now, I'm going to reference this person because I really love this podcast. And I don't know if you've heard it or not. I hope you have. If you haven't, please go listen to it. Um, it's Bards of War. Bards of War by Scott Kesterson is a great podcast. And I turned him on the other day for the first time in a number of months. And in fact, the last time I probably listened to him was maybe February or March, um, just because I was focused on my own stuff. But I turned him on, and sure enough, he's talking about the jab stuff, and he's talking about all this. And he goes, look, he goes, this may not be a popular opinion, but these people can't be helped. These brainwashed goons just can't be helped. He goes, you know... That it's not that that's not Christian of me or this, that, or the other. He said, they just can't be helped. We can try to help the children and we can keep talking about this and we have to keep doing that, but some people just can't be helped. I agree with him 100%. And it's, it was nice to hear him say it because I thought, oh, great. He gets it. 
that's good. At least he gets it. And I'm, you know, I'm not the only one out there. I mean, some people just can't be helped here. They just can't be. Some people are going to walk around with those bracelets from New York all over them. Look, I look, I, I bought them. Do you have one of these? Well, why don't you have one? You need to get one. As they're still wearing a mask and as they're still doing whatever stupid thing they're doing. Okay. Um, let's see. Here, here's something else. And this, again, is something that I brought up a number of months ago. I referenced it in my book, The Unmasking of American Schools. I've, I've, I've put this, I've put the websites where you can, uh, um, I have words, I promise. I put on particular links in the description of, of some of my past podcasts where you can obtain letters uh, for either school districts or your places of employment or whatever that basically say, you can't make me take this legally. I've also read countless, countless posts from individuals who say that they've taken these letters and letters like it, and I'm going to read some examples here in a minute that have just come out, um, although they came out last month um, via Corey's Diggs, but they take these letters to their employment and their HR departments and they go, yeah, I'm not taking the jab. You're officially on legal notice. Here's this letter. Um, you can't fire me because you'll have a lawsuit and XYZ. And then the HR department and the company backs down. You see, but that right there should also tell people that totalitarianism is 100% in place because the exact opposite outcome also happens, where the company says, you need to take the jabs or else you'll get fired. And then they show up with one of these letters and they say, no, you're not going to fire me because you can't because that's illegal, so... You're officially on legal notice. Here you go. And then the company fires them anyway. Now, why do they do that? They do that because they know that the employee might not have the monetary resources to go after the company legally. That's why they do that. They rule with an iron fist because they know that they can. That's totalitarianism. They're stomping on individual rights. We're talking about, again, we're talking about civil rights here. We're talking about civil rights, and civil rights exist in this country, and they're being destroyed right in front of our faces. So I'm going to link these three PDFs, the links to these three PDFs, in the description below. I highly recommend you give these letters a serious look, and I'm going to read through these letters because they're awesome, and here's why. It requires the employer to actually answer questions. And it provides blank lines below the questions where the employer has to fill them out. And then again, it's basically putting them on legal notice and reminding them of their legal responsibilities. And they can't force these jabs and they can't do this and they can't do that. But it asks them actual questions. So the first one I'm going to read here has to do with students who are still attending schools that are maybe forcing the jabs, and they don't want the jabs. So more specifically regarding colleges or universities. However, keep in mind, you can edit these documents. You can cut them and paste them onto a Word document. You can turn them into whatever you want. You can, you can put in the exact name of the school if you want. You can get as specific as you want. So this is a, uh, it's a four to five page document. It even has references and resources linked at the bottom. It requires signatures, too, of the individuals who have read it. Because they're not going to want to sign off on this. If they sign off on this and something bad happens, or they get fired, or you know they don't let them into the school, or they fine them, or they do whatever, they're breaking even more laws on top of that. So I think these documents are brilliant. 
They're straightforward. They're to the point. These are exactly what needs to be used. So here's this first one. It says, quote, form for students attending colleges or universities requiring COVID-19 injections. And I like how they say injections, although they use the word vaccine later on. It says, note to college or university, as a student at your institution, I am requesting that you review this document, provide this Provide the requisite information and sign the form in regards to your requirement that students get a COVID-19 emergency use authorization experimental vaccine. Now, I'm going to stop before I start reading these questions that, again, require an answer from the college or university. It's only a matter of time if someone else doesn't intervene here and stop this dead in its tracks. It's only a matter of time before they stop making this an emergency use authorization thing because they're going to keep making this an emergency use authorization thing until it becomes FDA approved. Once it's FDA approved, all bets are off. All of these institutions can force these jabs. All of them. And then what? I mean, and then what? I mean, then what's going to happen? Then you've got complete chaos. How many people, again, are going to walk right into the buzzsaw just to keep their job, knowing full well what that buzzsaw has in store for them? I'm sorry. you got to draw the line somewhere. Okay, here we go. The first question says, number one, if I agree to receive an EUA COVID-19 injection, does my student health insurance plan, if applicable, provide complete coverage should I experience an adverse event or even death? Number two, and then there's three lines for them to answer. Number two, as a student at your institution, will you provide any other medical or financial support to me or my family if I have an adverse event to an EUA COVID-19 injection and am, un and am unable to attend school for days, weeks, or months if I am disabled for life? Number three, the Food and Drug Administration requires that EUA vaccine recipients be provided with certain vaccine-specific information to help them make an informed decision about vaccination. The EUA fact sheet that has been provided are specific to each authorized COVID-19 injection and are developed by the manufacturers of the injections, Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, Oxford, AstraZeneca, and Johnson Johnson subsidiary Janssen. The fact sheets must provide the most current and up-to-date information on the injections, and vaccine recipients must also receive information about adverse events. Have you read, understood, and provided me and all other students with these fact sheets and with current information on adverse events so that I, we, can make an educated decision? Wow. Question three is going to destroy them. That third question will destroy any institution because they're saying the institution has to provide informed consent. Are they? Of course they aren't. Of course not. What if, uh, what if a university or college doctor or nurse is there working for that institution? Are they providing the informed consent? They can't be. They can't be. Because if they were actually doing their job, they wouldn't be working there in the first place. Question four, because they get fired. Question four, have you reviewed the available database of material adverse events reported to date for people who have received experimental COVID-19 injections? And then there's four references. Potential and reported adverse events include death, 
anaphylaxis, neurological disorders, autoimmune disorders, other long-term chronic diseases, blindness and deafness, infertility, fetal damage, miscarriage, and stillbirth. Now again, as I keep reading through these questions, and this the student form is going to be the only one I read, there's a couple of other angles to take with this too. And you might say to yourself after after reading through this or hearing me read through it, you might be saying to yourself, well, why can't we use this for all vaccinations then? Here's why. Unfortunately, countless schools, universities, K-12, you name it, they're basically going to say, hey, look, I mean, this is their, this is their default setting uh, excuse slash response. They'll say, hey, look, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to fill this out. Uh, if you don't want to go here, you don't have to go here. We recommend you go somewhere else. We recommend that you go somewhere else. That's, that's going to be the battlefield right there. That's going to be that next serious uh, conversational battlefield is when they refuse to fill this out. What happens next then? What's the pushback? Because again, the institution's probably just going to look at the student or the parent who hands them this and says, look, we're not going to fill this out. Um, you just need to go somewhere else. We just recommend that you go somewhere else. We've made the determination that it might be better for that this might, you know, that this institution might not be the one for you and that you might want to just go about your business. I mean, that's going to be their default setting. And then they're probably just going to look at them and just kick them out and say, you're, you're done. Um, you're no longer a student here because we're not going to fill this out and whatever. I mean, everybody's just going to sort of hold their ground, so to speak. Question five. The FDA's guidance, another reference, on emergency use authorization of medical products requires the FDA to ensure that recipients are informed to the extent practicable given the applicable circumstances, that they have the option to accept or refuse the EUA product. Are you aware of this statement? Have you informed all students that they have the option to refuse? Uh-oh, now they're getting into the law part. See, I love this. I love this. This is beautiful. Number six, with respect to the emergency use of an unapproved product, the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, Title 21, USC 360, Triple B, Dash 3, E1A, III, reiterates that individuals be informed of the, quote, the option to accept or refuse administration of the product and of the consequences, if any, of refusing administration of the product and of the alternatives to the product that are available and of their benefit and risks, unquote. If experimental EUA COVID-19 vaccines are ever approved by the FDA, state legislation would be required to allow companies to mandate the COVID-19 injections. Are you aware of these facts? I mean, they might just go, yeah and then move on. Who knows? Number seven. There's only 12 questions. I'm trying to trying to get through this, but this is just too interesting. Uh, number seven. EUA products are unapproved, unlicensed, and experimental. Under the Nuremberg Code, the foundation for uh, of ethical medicine, no one may be coerced to participate in a medical experiment. The individual's consent is absolutely essential. No court has ever upheld a mandate for an EUA vaccine. In Doe number one versus Rumsfeld, uh, 297F.sup.2019, 
2D, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in a legal case in 2003, a federal court held that the U.S. military could not mandate EUA vaccines for soldiers. The United States cannot demand that members of the armed forces also serve as guinea pigs for experimental drugs. Are you aware of this? Number eight, the United States Code of Federal Regulations and the FDA require the informed consent of human subjects for medical research. The EUA COVID-19 injections are unapproved, unlicensed, investigational vaccines and are still in their experimental stage. It is unlawful to conduct medical research on a human being even in the event of an emergency, unless steps are taken to secure the informed consent of all participants. Are you aware of this? I think any, ending these questions with are you aware of this is important, but unfortunately it's requiring a yes or no answer. And I mean, I understand that if they say yes and they go through with it, then they're basically, again, I mean, I get it. But have Asking them a little more than if they're aware of it or not, I, I think, might might be a different take. That's just my opinion. Number nine, according to the Federal Trade Commission guidelines and the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, uh, truth in advertising promotional material, and especially material involving health-related products, cannot mislead co uh, consumers, omit important information, or express claims. All of this falls under the rubric of deceptive advertising whereby a company is providing or endorsing a product, whether presented in the form of an ad or a website, through email or a poster, or in the mail. For example, statements such as, all students are required to get COVID-19 vaccine to make the campus safe, or, quote, it's safe and effective, unquote, leave out critical information. Critical information includes the facts that COVID-19 injections are unapproved, EUA vaccines, and may or may not prevent COVID. They don't prevent against coronavirus. Uh, won't necessarily make campuses safer and could in fact cause harm. Not providing links or attachments of the manufacturer's fact sheets and current information on adverse events is omitting safety information. Are you aware of this? Number 10. Since the COVID lockdowns began over one year ago and have been over 170 and there have been over 178 reported breaches of unsecured protected health information, PHI, incidents investigated by the Office of Civil Rights. Uh, these breaches exposed millions of people's personal health information. Although many of these incidents are attributed to hacking, some of the breaches to PHI fell directly under the 1996 Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA, such as sharing a patient's or person's information with unauthorized individual or incorrectly handling PHI. Can you please explain your obligations to me under HIPAA law and how you are going to protect my personal information, both with respect to your requirement that I receive this injection? I love that question. Number 11, whereas pharmaceutical companies that manufacture EUA vaccines have been protected from liability related to injuries or deaths caused by experimental agents since the PREP Act, P-R-E-P, was enacted in 2005, companies, schools, and all other institutions or individuals who mandated experimental vaccines on any human being are not protected from liability. Are you aware that you do not enjoy such liability protection? Dun, dun, dun. I love it. Number 12, the last question. 
Are you aware that students or families could file a civil suit against you should the student suffer an adverse event, death, or expulsion from school for refusing an EUA COVID-19 injection? As the legally authorized off, and then and that's it. And then there's this little paragraph here. As the legally authorized officer of the college or university, I have read all of the above information, have provided my students with all of the information that the FDA requires be provided to recipients of COVID-19 injections, and do hereby agree to assume 100% financial responsibility for covering any and all expenses from adverse events, including death, through insurance coverage, or directly. In addition, I affirm that the students shall be denied access to school should they decline to receive a COVID-19 injection. And then they want the signature of the authorized officer or college university requiring injection, and then the name of the college or university and the date. The student, sign it, and then a witness. And then again, there's 22 endnotes with links, websites to both the adverse reactions, the medical, uh, the medical information, and the legalese. Um, this is a great document. I think it needs to be tweaked a little bit. I think that people need to cut and paste this document into a Word document, maybe add some more information, put in your own school's name, and use this document. This document right here is is fantastic. But like I said throughout as I was reading, the problem is going to be that the school will simply look at the student and say, look, you're, you can't come here. We're not going to fill this out, but if, if you don't want the jabs and you're not going to have the jabs, then you can't come here. That's what they're going to say. And then again, it's just lying in the sand, feet in concrete, who's going to budge? Um, you've got to lean into these institutions. You have to. I don't, and, and you know what, I, not only do I not envy, I'm glad that, that the K-12 lawyers are hopefully having a horrific time at their job right now when it comes to parents serving them with a paper like this. So again, I'm going to link the description to these forms um, in the description below of this podcast episode. Please print these off. Use these as weapons if you're still sending your children to these schools. Uh, again, they're going to do whatever they can to try to get these into American children no matter what. Uh, and uh, again, even American college and university students, no matter what. Whether they're FDA approved or not, and even if they are FDA approved, you don't take it anyway. Because as Dr. Farella said when I talked to her and asked her, there's no difference between the FDA jabbed juice and the non-FDA juice. It's all the same juice. It's just a different checkbox on a piece of paper that now says FDA approved. It's the same thing. Let's add on a let's end on a positive note here, shall we? What do you say? Here's one, and this is funny. This is also going to require a little bit of reading, so bear with me. This is bouncing around Gab, and it's absolutely hilarious. And I pray to God that this is real. I pray to God this is real. Okay, so a little preface, just because I want to remind everybody of a couple of things. I know this episode is long. My apologies. Uh, this is very funny. This is a resignation letter from a teacher of a K-12 school and uh, in Manchester, New Hampshire. Manchester School District in New Hampshire. And uh, they've created the most sarcastic and, and super hilarious resignation letter. Now, as I've said in the past 
on this podcast, I said to do this exact thing that this guy has done. The only way that you let people know in an area or a workplace that they're either crazy or that there's remarkably immoral or illegal behavior happening is you have to carbon copy everybody involved, all of the people involved, and then spread this out as far as you can. I mean, that's that's the first thing. The second thing is I've always said about the critical race theory Marxist nonsense is you have to laugh at it and you have to call it out for what it is, which is complete pretend and totally made up. So this entire letter that Daniel Kincannon constructed is hilarious from top to bottom. I mean, every word is perfect, including the logo at the top, which he took the Manchester School District logo, put it in the middle of his letter, and then below it, in the same font and same color, wrote anti-white, exclamation point. So it says Manchester School District anti-white. I mean, this is brilliant. Okay, so he sends this to a Tom McGee, who is the program director of Manchester School District, and he says, a.k.a. the Temple of Equity. So again, he's just joking throughout this entire thing. It's fantastic. So he he carbon copies the superintendent, uh, the chief equity officer, and he wrote LOL. And then he wrote uh, the human... Uh, the HR director, Christopher Cody, and then the Board of School Committee. Okay. So again, this letter is from Daniel Kincannon, addressed to Tom McGee. He starts off the letter, quote, Human Wedgie McGee, I hereby resign as 21 CCLC site coordinator in light of the Frankfurt School and then he slashed out Frankfurt, the Frankfurt School and wrote Manchester School District's endorsement of the dehumanization and hatred of white people. As evidenced by their dissemination of the imbecile, quote-unquote, white privilege curriculum presented by the intellectual titans at the, quote, Learning for Justice, an organization founded by America's eternal arbiters of truth and morality, the SPLC, where senior fellow Mark Potok's office is decorated with celebratory charts of the declining percentage of white people in the United States and Europe. Despite MSD's inability to abide by its own anti-harassment policy, and the complete lack of respect and procedure MSD is owned is owed in return. I will honor my obligation to provide two weeks' notice. Surely, though, in the interest of the great good of human greater good of humanity, MSD will unburden itself of my unendurable whiteness, quote unquote, by exercising its discretion to excuse an employee from such notice and relieve an employee from his or her position immediately, unquote. And then he wrote, whoa, seriously, his or her, OMG, how, wow, just wow, I can't even. How is Manchester School District still operating on this archaic binary? Oh, where, oh, where is the equity? As a trans-feminine, spectrosexual, non-libelist, Subaru Forester Basset Hound hybrid, 
with a mixtape of surgical errors for genitals. I am non-binarily outraged at Manchester School District's stunning failure at inclusivity of soft butch, stone butch, pan-romantic, gender-dormant, cupiosexual, trigender, polygender, demigender, and left-of-gender peoples, and I call for the resignation and immediate gender reassignment surgery of Superintendent Goldhart, Chief Equity Officer, laughing my ass off, steady, and all other district administrators and board of school committee members responsible for this wanton toxicity that, though obviously acceptable to treat mere cisnormative whites with, is supposed to be spared those that share fellowship in the cultural revolution, adopt abstract and performative identities, and list pronouns after their names. How absolutely dare you yours yourself. (laughs) I love it. And then he ends it this. In closing, I wish the Trotsky disciples of MSD nothing but failure in their ongoing quest for civilizational degradation. I leave you with the only verbal response benefiting any attempt at anti-white indoctrination. Fuck you. Diversely, equitably, and inclusively yours, Daniel Kincannon. Signed, there you go. And then below his name... (laughs) Oh, this is just classic. This is classic. I hope this is real. Please, God. Please, God. Dear God, please let this letter be real. Please let this not just be a joke, but please let this be real. Amen. Below his name and below his signature, he wrote pronouns. And he just, he, he, he has them all. He has all these jacked up pronouns all listed here. As, ers, asers, asers, all, another, any, anybody, anyone, anything, as. And it, <laughs> he goes through the entire alphabet with at least seven examples from each letter in the alphabet. Yours, ye, yon, yonder, you, your, yours, yourself, yourselves, z, z, zeds, zed, self, zes, zes, zesseluf, zers, zer, zers, zerself. From A to Z. The end. Absolutely hilarious. Well... That's all I've got. Check the description below again for those letters. There's one for students, one for employers, and one for healthcare uh, workers regarding families as well. I'll include all those in the description. Other than that, have a great day. Catch you Friday. And Friday will be the last episode until next Wednesday. Uh, I'm taking Monday off. Happy 4th. But I'll be here on Friday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.